Good evening, everyone. Evans, there is much to speak of. The first reading, uh, we are told of a conversation between God and Abram. Um, And my friends, so, well, I can speak to you about the ancient ritual that uh, was going on between them. I'd like to go deeper than the ritual. Towards the end of the reading, we're told um, something uh, that often uh, goes past us. And uh, uh, the conversation... Uh, with Abraham and God, uh, God is beginning the work of restoring humans to the image of himself, the way he had initially created us. But that fully restoration of the human uh, nature to the divine image would not be complete until the Paschal mystery, until the resurrection of his only begotten son, However, the faith of Abraham was the beginning of that restoration. The image of God in human nature was broken by sin. Human nature, Genesis 1:26, tells us that we were created in the image of God. Meaning, does he have dark hair like Father Mark? No, that's not the image we're talking about. But the sin of our first parents uh, distorted the image of God in human nature. And so the beginning of the first reading talks to us about a covenant that God was making with Abraham. And, um, and I bring up Genesis not only because I'm talking about uh, what it says about we're creating his image, but uh, we are told Abraham also falls asleep, as did Adam. In Genesis, God, in the second account, God puts him into a deep sleep and removes a rib and creates something. And here we see Abram, God puts him into a sleep and is going to do something also. And uh, my friends, when uh, uh, we will see Genesis 2.21, that's what I'm uh, making reference to. Uh, but um, So God makes a covenant with Abraham and Abraham responded to the promise of God with great faith and obedience. And we're told that faith uh, is justice, that faith is, uh, was everything. And, and Abraham never questioned or doubted God on his promise, but in all things gave God glory. In the faith of Abraham, God found what he did not find in Adam and Eve, for that matter. Faith. And obedience. Your faith, your faith, you are the disciples now, your faith continues the restoration of the image of God in humanity. And this is key. This is why you must be disciples and act that way always, because we are continuing to participate in what God began uh, with Abraham. Abraham believed God would bring new life into the world. The disciple today believes that God will bring new life also by the risen Christ from the tomb. Because of the resurrection of Christ, the faithful disciple will rise again. It is a guarantee of salvation. 
and is the only thing that makes sometimes living in this world any sense. <laughs> and one thing that will never steal hope from me, no matter how dark it can get, there is the guarantee of salvation. Living in faith, you, you, I know our professor says, told us, trained us, don't say you in the homily, <laughs> say we. <laughs> you and I. <laughs> Living in faith, you and I perpetuate the restoration of the image of God in nature. And this is the way he wants it. I don't know, people, why, why, why? Uh, I don't know. One of the things that I always thought about was God, uh, he abides by his own scientific principles and rules, his own metaphysical rules, so he has to go about it a different way because there's all of heaven watching him. How is he going to fix what humanity has broken? He's God. He should snap his finger. That's not how he operates. By faith, individuals cooperate in the work of restoring the image of God to humanity. And God requires of us what he required of Abraham, faith and obedience. In the United States, obedience is not a nice word. <laughs> I know, but that's the word we're going to use this evening. My friends, our second reading, St. Paul says, be an imitator of me. At first I thought, oh my goodness, that's arrogant <laughs> of St. Paul. But, uh, but when you go and study what's happening, the, the, Philippi, the community of, of Philippi, there were people in there against Paul. And they were putting forth crazy ideas about Christianity. <laughs> Some things don't change. <laughs> so, Paul is fighting this. I mean, they are really watering it down and saying ridiculous things. Go and look at what Paul was dealing with. So he says, follow my example. Follow my obedience to the Lord. Follow the faith that I have. In that, there is no arrogance. And to that, he is to be commended. But he says, be imitators of him as a follower of the Christ. And what Paul, I think, uh, ultimately what he gets at, and I, I think uh, it's repeated in our Mass, at the preface of the Eucharist, when I tell, when the priests and you and I are responding, lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. In the rest of the writings, we will see this coming through. Paul and invited the Christians of Philippi to lift up their hearts. St. Paul exhorted them to imitate him in his ways. Like I said, there were people opposed to St. Paul, and they were putting forth all kinds of nonsense about Jesus, about the followers of the way, because that's what they were called in the Christianity. And it caused division, and it caused great confusion. And Paul is trying to repair that. St. Paul was an exemplar model of Christian living. He spoke of the need 
for constant striving for salvation. Philippians 3, 12. My friends, our Mass, which St. Peter himself did, our Mass invites us to lift up our hearts. No matter what's going on, we are to lift up our hearts. The celebration of the Mass is the sacramental celebration of the very Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ, salvation. In it, we are reminded of the death and resurrection of our Lord. We, we are to lift up our hearts, not only at Mass, but I tell you all the time in funny ways uh, to make you laugh, but you are to lift up your hearts when you leave here also. And wherever you go, if you're going to the tides tonight, lift up your hearts over there, not just the pint glass. For St. Patrick's, huh? <laughs> when you're at home, when you're at work, to be a disciple who lifts up their heart to God. We are to lift up our hearts because of the promise of salvation, because in anticipation of the coming of Jesus Christ. We know the salvation he brings will transform humanity. He will fulfill what God started so long ago. Christ will transform us with the power of his Paschal mystery. And when he does, we will be utterly changed. We will be like him as he is now, resplendent in glory. We must be like St. Paul, with our eyes and our hearts lifted and fixed on Jesus, standing firm in the Lord, which, which you heard, Philippians 4, 1. One of the ways we must do this is the way that we are told that Jesus did this on Mount Tabor, on the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus was transfigured while he was praying. Go back and read it. While he was praying, he changed. Christ went up to the mountain to pray. And there's a whole homily right there just on that. But I know it's Saturday evening you want to go. <laughs> now, my friends, we do not know the precise nature of the prayer offered by Christ. Um, to his father. However, based on the other scriptures, Jesus likely has asked his father to help his apostles who could not get past the fact that the Messiah was to suffer and die. And uh, throughout his life, Jesus had prayed for the grace that the apostles needed. Even with Peter, I pray that you will not fall in the time of temptation. So we can only imagine on the, what he's praying. Father, help them. Jesus prayed often. On this occasion, while in prayer, Jesus was transfigured. And the physical changes were the effects of our Lord being in prayer with his Father, as the Gospel says, while he was praying. Once again, sleep is focused on. 
I told you about Adam. He went to sleep. God did something. Abraham goes to sleep. Something happens. The apostles are sleeping. And according to our history teacher in the seminary, it wasn't that big of a mountain that they were exhausted. But uh, as my guardian angels tell me, don't judge. <laughs> don't be judging, priest. But they were asleep and God was doing something. And remember what the cloud is, everyone? The cloud is, what do they call it? Shekinah. That means God is present. Remember to them, it means he is present. Not just present, he is doing. Of course, we know what God is always doing. But uh, so they become fully awake. The cloud is present and they get a glimpse of our Lord's glory, and their lives would be transformed also. Yes, they were afraid to enter into the cloud. I don't blame them. <laughs> I'd probably be afraid too. <laughs> My point is about prayer. Prayer transforms our lives. It transformed the life of Abraham. It transformed the life of all the disciples, of all the St. Paul, while in prayer, Jesus himself is transfigured. It's a little bit different for him. <laughs> and my friends, through prayer, suffering is dignified. Through prayer, it keeps our souls strong, that we remain firm in the Lord in the face of challenge. Prayer elevates our minds to the divine ideals. Prayer makes the one who is weak in faith strong. Prayer makes the discouraged person take new heart in things. Prayer offers the soul the joy of divine consolation when it is in deep suffering. In prayer, the human heart becomes open to God. In prayer, the human heart can be filled with the very presence of God. Prayer produces peace in the human heart. And no matter how hidden the hand of God may be, through prayer, it is revealed to you, the disciple. I laugh because of what Peter once again. Oh, Master, how good it is for us to be here. We're going to build some tents. Now, there's something going on about that, but that's for another homily. But I would change his words for our setting. How good it is for you and I to be here. How good it is for you and I to pray. How good it is for us to be then transformed by prayer. And our greatest prayer will be offered tonight, the sacrifice of the Mass. That is our greatest prayer, my friends. What happened to Jesus 
on the mountain of Transfiguration, Mount Tabor, will happen to anyone who will follow him, anyone who will be faithful to him. And one day being faithful and walking in holiness, we shall be transformed into everlasting glory and we will be utterly changed. But we must be ever attentive to those words of the Father in that epiphany moment on that mountain. This is my beloved Son. Listen to him. In the Greek, the translation is, this is my beloved one. Obey him.